0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Becky. I'm an alcoholic. It's good to be here. And um, I want to thank you for entrusting me to be your speaker tonight. I might be a little disappointment after our 10-minute our speaker. I mean, we should have just quit while we were ahead, right? Um, why not? It's, it's going to be a difficult act to follow. And um, if you could believe it, that uh, I've known him all his 28 years of life, and um, I'm his mother. And uh, so, <laughs> and uh, I was I was 12 years old when I had him. <laughs> Just so you know. Actually, um, I have a I have a sponsor. Uh, her name is Dawn Mans, and she's from Laguna Hills, and. She has a sponsor. Her name is Carla Rao from Tahunga, And then Carla has a sponsor. Her name is Polly Pistol from Jacksonville, Florida. I sponsor girls and they sponsor girls. And it just shows that this is I'm another link in the chain, (laughs) meaning that Polly gets to keep it because she passes on to Carla. Carla gets to keep it because she passed it on to Don. Dawn. Dawn gets to keep it because she passed it on to me and I get to keep it because I pass it on. And nothing ensures sobriety like working with another alcoholic, right? When all else fails, nothing ensures sobriety like working with another alcoholic. Um, do I have water? Thank you. Thank you. So... Um, Anyways, uh, I have a home group, it's a Sunday, night, Sunday Night Legacies and um, I'm missing it tonight to be here with you. So, you know, it's just truly, truly privileged to be here. And um, let's see, what else? Um, home group sponsor, sobriety date, November 30th of 2009. So I'm class of 2009. Um, it's not my first sobriety date, but it's the one that, I, that I'm that i sticking with. I first got sober in June of 1988. And um, please don't do the math. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, 16 years old and uh, things got so bad when I was 16 years old. My dad invited me to go out for ice cream. Next thing you know, I'm locked up into 18 treatment center and I'm trying to go AWOL not not successful I'm locked up in five point restraints and I'm hoping to god that they don't go into my purse because in my purse is a whole sheet of acid that I've been trying to sell um and I was the official drug dealer for Corona Del Mar High School (laughs) Um, so I really didn't have a rough life. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is not filled with people with, with rough lives. It's filled with people who don't um, have the same chemistry and mind as the other 94% of the population. We're different bodily, mentally, and spiritually. And um, so when I, when I was growing up, for some reason, you know, I I had everything that I could imagine for. Like, um, I never wanted for anything. I maybe I would like to have had my dad around, or or um, I would have liked to have both mom and dad there. But um, basically, I was I was raised okay. Um, the common denominator in my life was me. And um, I was always restless, irritable, and discontent because it was always my perception of my life. That, you know, my dad, he loved me. But my perception was, is he didn't love me because he he had abandoned me. My perception is, is that I don't get along with others because everybody's so mean to me. And um, on and on and on it goes. And so my perception through life is I am a victim. And we always like to think that way about ourselves because we never want um, to take blame or um, own up for what we've done in life. And so um, when I had my first sense of relief, it felt like I could breathe for the first time. It was magic. It's like I have arrived. I have come home. And um, the magic came in the form of uh, Chardonnay wine for the first time. I was in my um, mom's refrigerator, or actually it was my, my best friend Valerie at the time, her refrigerator. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to say um, congratulations to all the chip takers and uh, welcome to our our visitor from Chicago. (laughs) apologize for that. Um, It came in the form of Chardonnay, and uh, I picked up the drink, and automatically I was drinking and drinking and drinking, uh, drank the whole bottle with my friend. Maybe she had one glass, but I had the rest of it, and for an 11-year-old, that's a lot. And um, I I was drunk. I loved the feeling. I threw up, and... I continued to chase that feeling until, until I stopped. Until I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, until I came to you. Um, that feeling did for me what no, no other feeling did. I didn't care anymore. I really didn't care. Nothing mattered. And you know, I know that all of you can relate to that. And, um, I was, you know, being younger at the time, uh, the the alcohol wasn't always accessible. Drugs were a little bit easier to get. So I tried um, acid once for a few months, and then I tried, um, you know, hash once or twice. And, you know... We, we all have those stories that are not pure alcohol. I even tried methamphetamine once for two years. <laughs> Unlike Dylan. <laughs> and um, I was so good at it, I even sold it. I sold it as a single mom in my, in my nice little apartment in Irvine. That's pretty risky. And did I have any concern at all what was going on, that my kids might find it or anything to that effect? No. So I wanna read you something that I had found and uh, tell me if you relate to this. Those who linger over wine, It gets sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind imagine confusing things. You will be like one one sleeping on the high seas uh, lying on top of the rigger. They hit me you will say, I, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I do not feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? Did you know that was in Proverbs in the Bible? Alcoholism is documented um, way before. And um, I love that because it shows me it's always been there. It's always been an issue and um so i'm not we're not alone this this just didn't happen right away but it's always been there and in 1935 bill met bob and they came up with a solution for us and i'm so grateful for that prior to that there was the washingtonians And there was also the Oxford group. What was wrong with the Oxford group? They relied too heavily on religion. And what was great about this program is it's a spiritual program. I get to choose a God of my understanding and thank God. Because coming into Alcoholics Anonymous, I wasn't too pleased with God. I was was one of those that kind of did this to God you know um if if uh, god was there he wouldn't be there for me because i had all these expectations of what god should do for me you know god was like a santa claus god to me and um so what i had done was i had, you know had these high expectations and then again but also not realizing that i placed um i placed unreasonable expectations on people, places, and things like it talks about. We step on the toes of our fellows and then retaliate, right? 60 to 63. If you take that whole thing from 60 to 63 and read it out loud to yourself and um, say it in I and me and not in us, you really get the grasp of it. So here I was placing unrealistic expectations. And my husband at the time was doing some things maybe he shouldn't have been doing in the name of God. And um, I walked away and I continued to drink. And um, I blamed, so I blamed God. I blamed um, the person I was with, not, really, not realizing that stepping on my uh, toes of my fellows and they retaliate. So I, um, I was 23 years old. I had two kids and one on the way. And I suddenly, the thought crossed my mind. I had seven years of sobriety. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind. I may have had an overreaction, getting sober. And what does, you know, what does that mean to me? It's that blank mental spot suddenly. And so I had a little glass of wine with my coworkers because I was so busy raising these kids that I grew further and further away from the spiritual life and also the program, no longer calling a sponsor, no longer going to meetings, uh, no longer um, engaged in a spiritual life, and I was I was well on my way out. And so, then I had no mental defense like it talks about, and I had that blank mental spot, and I drank, and the experiment went so well. The next day, I you know continued to drink and drink and drink and drink, and I drank myself to the point with losing you know. Losing custody of two of my kids and having my daughter and ripping my, my whole family apart. You know, and I didn't, I didn't need to do that. And so when I, um, when I get a chance to uh, sponsor girls, what I, oh, when I get a chance to sponsor girls with babies now, I say, um, let me babysit so you can go to a meeting. Don't do what I did. <laughs> So um, anyways, I, um, I did a lot more damage out there when, when I, and by the time that I came back in, I, um, I realized that I no longer had these kids that were talking to me. I had the house, I had a husband who um, would drink just as much as I did, if not more. And then my dad would, I would say to my dad, you know, he needs to quit drinking. And my dad finally said to me, don't you need to stop? And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, And so I, I came back to Alcoholics Anonymous and I just came back. I didn't do any kind of treatment or anything like that. And the women in there, what had happened was, is that um, there was a legal issue between me and my, my husband at the time. And. Um, There was a restraining order, of course, and um, I had to, you know, he had to stay somewhere else or I had to stay somewhere else. So the women said, why don't you uh, move into the sober living house? And I said, why should I move into the sober living house? He's the offender. And sure enough, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. I moved into this all women's sober living house and I started on the fundamentals and the basics got up in the morning, and I read my morning meditation, I prayed, and I went throughout the day, got up and went to work, and um, just continued, ended my meeting, or started my my day with a meeting, I went to 6.30 a.m. meeting, and then when I was done, I went to a 5.30 meeting, and then I went home. So um, what did that do for me is it gave me the fundamentals of reaching out AA 101. And I'm so grateful for that. And that was my routine for, for like two or three years. And I continued to go to that morning meeting for a long time. It was, it was my home group. It was a 6 30 AM meeting at the Newport club. And um, what a, what it had done for me was it connected me with the fellowship and being a roundtable meeting, it forced me to share what I didn't wanna share. And for that reason, I, I became more and more comfortable speaking in front of people, which I normally didn't you know, enjoy. Um, it's interesting enough, Stephen asked me um, when I came in, he goes, you were a teacher at one point. And I'm like, yeah, I was. I was a teacher for 10 years, and um, when I when I first came in and uh, a little bit before, and what had happened in my first year of sobriety is, uh, you know, these opportunities, level to grow, happen, and uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer my first year of sobriety. And it's not like this, oh, I, I say yes, because, um, one of the women in the program who was in my class she said do you have anybody to take you and mind you my family's not talking my kids are not talking to me she says do you have anybody to take you and at that point i'm just not willing to accept help from anybody um and i didn't and she said "Well." I'm taking you, I'm taking to your appointments, I'm taking to you for your surgery and your, you know, all your treatments. And she forced it on me, whether I wanted to or not. You know, she forced the love on me. And what that taught me was how to love other women in Alcoholics Anonymous, whether I wanted to not. And it also showed me um, what love should look like because I was in a marriage with a dead end. And so I, um, I continued to do that and I continued to teach. Unfortunately, by the time I had four years, uh, that marriage had ended. And, um, but I also was diagnosed with breast cancer again. And um, I got laid off from one of my contracts, which was probably my most um, lucrative contracts. And what it, then I had, um, I had some real fear real fear, financial, you know, and romantic fear. And what am I going to do? What's this going to look like? And again, this time I had to have more extensive surgery. And then it happened again when I had six years sober. So what I, um, it gave me determination and it sent my life on a different course because everything I thought I wanted to be was a teacher. And the type of teacher that I was, after, after the sixth time, they said, you can't do this anymore. And you're going to have to get a desk job. And again, it's level to grow. Go where God wants me to be. Go where, you know, go where I'm needed. And I've, I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to get new skills in sobriety and not, you know, not rely on the ones where, I'm, where I have my education. And also look for the opportunities. And why is this happening to me? And it's happening, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me, because I found that so many people who have had, you know, cancer of some sort or another, I get to be of service to them, because I understand, I get it, Um, and I had an opportunity to grow, and I get to learn how to say, what do you need? I will be there for you, just like I was taught before. Let me show, you know, let me take you to your doctor's appointment. Let me help you out when you're done, and um, so just uh, just recently I, um, you know I had taken on a new job, and i was um, I was actually fired from the job about three weeks ago, <laughs> and I, the funny thing is i've never been fired in sobriety, and um, I was like, huh and I And I, I took it pretty well, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, let's see what, let's see what's going on here. And then, um, I, I kept applying for jobs and then I realized that my old employer was giving me a bad reference (laughs) and then I'm like, wow, (laughs) what's going on here? And then again, it's level to grow, level to grow. And maybe, um, maybe what I need to do is I need to look at this from a different angle, that I need to just be a little bit more humble about myself and what my expectations are. And my employer is God, you know? And um, I've I've come to terms with that, that my employer is God and whatever happens will happen, but I'll never be dropped on my head because I've learned that. Um, I've learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous, Um, With God and the fellowship, everything works out for a reason. Um, Unfortunately, though, during this time, I've become addicted to Netflix. (laughs) I told Nicole I was going to tattle on myself. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and it's been really hard to get up off off the couch or off the bed to watch all these episodes. So many episodes of Netflix that I don't even... Um, I don't even remember what I was watching anymore. Over and over and over, it's really bad. It can be a very, almost almost as addicting as uh, methamphetamine, but I know that I don't have the physical allergy and the um, <laughs> mental, ex- I might have a little mental obsession, <laughs> but I don't have the physical allergy like I do with alcohol. And interesting enough, my best friend, um, by the way, when you get in here, don't just get a sponsor. Get a best friend. Get a ride or die. Seriously, because my ride or die saved my butt and still saves my butt so many times. And she, um, she's the one person I could tell everything to. Even something when I'm not comfortable telling my sponsor, I could tell my ride or die. And so, about a week ago, she said, "Becky, you're being an asshole." i never cuss on the podium i'm just quoting her (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so i'm like what's going and she's she just said you've been hurting my feelings and this is what's going on you're not answering your phone um and i just like wow you know and That one ride or die, is also the one person that could call you out and tell you what's going on and you'll listen. Because just like Dylan said, there's two people here at the table. Only one has your best interest in mind and it's not you. (laughs) And so that one person was my ride or die and she had my best interest at heart and she loved me enough to tell me what's really going on. And I'm just like, wow. It's like all of a sudden I heard a and um, I need need to do something about this, right? I need to get out of this. And um, thank God during this whole time too, for some reason I got a bunch of sponsees as well. A bunch of girls have been asking me to sponsor them. I'm like, why is this happening? I really don't want to do all of this. And um, for me, fortunately, it was, um, it's like they're calling me all the time. You know, I've got this problem. I've been thinking about this boy and, you know, all of this stuff. And it's ironic that this stuff starts to happen when I need them the most. When all else fails, work with another alcoholic. Right. What do I do next? What will you have me do? What steps should I do next? And it's like, normally I would just not even bother with the phone, but I have to pick up that phone for that 12-step work, don't I? I'm obligated. Because when the hand of AA acts, I need to be there. I am responsible. Right? And so thank God... Even during my times that I've been ill or the hand of AA, I'm always obligated to be that hand of AA. Through the time I had my cancer, through the times that I've had my divorce, through the times that I've you know been laid off, through the time I got fired, um, And you know even the good times, You know, I have been so blessed now to be married to this wonderful man in sobriety. And you probably all know him. Everybody knows him before they know me. (laughs) And, um, you know, the beauty of it is, is I would not, I would not be married to him if I had turned down the hand of AA or a request to help somebody else in AA. What had happened on our first date that we were supposed to take was is that um, I had a call from a girl that said, I need your help desperately. And she had relapsed and she called me and I had to cancel my first date with my husband. And at first he took offense to it and second, and then after that, he thought about it for a minute and he said, you know what? I respect that. I respect that she puts Alcoholics Anonymous first. And the minute I stop doing that, then I'm no longer longer going to be able to stay sober, which means I will lose my house, I will lose my car, I will lose my relationship with my son, um, I will lose my relationship with my husband, I will lose everything. Because it's only because of Alcoholics Anonymous that I have all these goodies. I'm gonna end on uh, one thing, Uh, might be ending a little early, right? Oh well. <laughs> you don't mind getting out <laughs> um, that uh, my god of my understanding I don't really know what it is or who it is I haven't identified it but what I do know is that when I, when I look through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's all these forms or uh, nouns for God. You look through uh, We Agnostics, and it's my creator, spirit of the universe, um, even Christ is written in there, or God, or uh, power. And the one I love the most, when Bill W. says, I saw my newfound friend. You know, and so for me, I have my newfound friend. And what I had done is I had taken the step three, where the wording is quite optional, right? The wording is quite optional in step three. And I designed that in my own words. And I honestly said to myself, thy will be done. And I have to do that. Every single day. Because if I don't, then I'm going to take my will back, start watching Netflix, and then end up back out there drinking. So thank you so much, everybody.